Hour number two is brought to you by our friends at Knoxville Smiles. If you're looking to get any dental work done, Dr. Stephen Malone and his staff will help you, and they take pride in listening to and communicating with you, the patient, to make sure the best decisions are made. Whatever you need done when it comes to dental work, veneers, implants, Invisalign, fillings, wisdom teeth, they do it all. Contact Knoxville Smiles today at 865-539-1776. That's 865, the area code. V-O-L-539-1776. Bob, that's the year we became a country, in case you need to remember. So really, the only number you need to remember in this phone number is 539. Because you know 865, that's V-O-L. And you know 1776, that's the year America became a country. So you guys got to remember 539 to set up an appointment. Part of our uh, beginning of the show uh, promise when we started the show a couple weeks ago is we're going to help make people smarter. We just did, again. 1776, in case you, anybody in there is taking some history lessons. And you can take a virtual tour of their state-of-the-art West Knoxville facility by visiting KnoxvilleSmiles.com. The basketball team has made Knoxville smile a lot, Bob. Ab- Absolutely. And, um, you know, as I mentioned the other day, we're going to – Make sure we give this team, it's a special team, um, as much coverage and attention as we can during basketball season. So John and I are excited to have uh, Tennessee assistant Greg Polinski joining the morning show every Thursday, schedule permitting, during basketball season. Greg joined Rick Barnes' staff in 2021 after 22 years in the NBA in various scouting and player personnel roles with the Nets and the Pistons. Also has experience in the college game as a head coach, as he had the top job at Georgia Southern before his time in the NBA. So we're uh, we're really excited to have him on board. Coach Polinski, thank you for joining us. How are you, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, you bet. Hey, so let's get to it. We uh, we talked a little bit this morning about uh, last night's game, which I'm sure you were paying attention to between Auburn and Alabama and um, you know, now there's we're one of uh, Tennessee's one of three teams at the top of the standings with one loss. Um, you guys hit the road this weekend. You've had a bit of a break this week uh, after playing some of your best basketball last week against Florida and Alabama. Now Vanderbilt awaits. We all remember what happened in Nashville last season. Uh, the Vandy team this season is uh, scuffling a little bit, five and thirteen, winless in conference play. But it seems that they play hard and they've been in. The, you know, been there till the very end in the majority of those losses by looking at the final scores. So how do you and the team approach this type of opponent from a preparation standpoint, which may be business as usual, but also focus? These games are important now more than ever. And who I'd love to also ask you, who on uh, Jerry Stackhouse's team is maybe a concern for the Vols? There seems to be some good guard play there. Is, it, is there more than that? Well, let me start by saying um... – uh, this isn't the company answer, but I don't think Coach Barnes has any more respect for any other coach. He respects all of them, but he has a lot of respect for Jerry Stackhouse um, as a basketball coach and as a man. And so we know um, we're going to get their best shot going in there. You guys know that. Fans know it. Uh, all the Orange that wants to turn out, we'd love to have you. Um, they've been great in the past, and we realize we've got a fight on our hands. I mean, the record – really doesn't mean much. Um, they've lost, you know, two key guys that we all know injuries can be tough, um, but they played on. They played a great game at Memphis, had an opportunity to win. Memphis has been very good this year. Uh, came within three of Alabama. 
So, look, um, this is going to be a real dogfight. We know that going in. Uh, we have great respect for them. And, um, you know, shifting a little bit to your other question, they probably have as dynamic guard combo as there is in the league. Um, in Manion, their point guard, and Tyron Lawrence, their shooting guard. So both those guys have done damage to us in the past, and we know we've got to do our very best to, you're not going to stop them, but to make the game tough for them, um, hopefully contain uh, to the best of our ability and um, give ourselves a chance to win. So this season, just from from my my perspective, we're seeing what's been historically a defense-first team that's now much closer to equal parts offense and defense, and that's a little different than what we've seen in previous Coach Barnes teams. Obviously, Dalton Connect is the game changer there, but there's other aspects of it, I'm sure. I'd love to get your take on what else you feel has been critical in this team's evolution offensively. Yeah, I think a number of things. I think, you know, coaches, um, every great coach, and you know, we, we are fortunate enough here to have a Hall of Famer in Rick Barnes, and I don't say that because I need to. I mean, I can collect Social Security. I say it because I mean it. Uh, and I think what, what he's done is adapt to our personnel. I think we're always going to have some non-negotiables here, things that have made coaches' teams great. Um, but I think he – Coach came back knowing we had more experience on the perimeter with Josiah coming back, with Santi coming back, Zakai, Jemai, Meshach improved. Uh, we just felt like that this team, we wanted to play with more speed. We wanted to run. Uh, we wanted to run to score. We wanted to run to create more tempo. And then you had Dalton to the mix and Jordan Ganey. Um, Jordan Ganey's a really good player. I mean, you guys saw that early in the year. Every player goes through that time where they have to adjust to what's going on because teams have adjusted to them. And uh, we're hoping Jordan found that, you know, um, in the Alabama game. And But I think the amount of scores we have, Coach realized we had depth. He wanted to push the ball more. We're always going to be tough at the defensive end of the court. Um, and I think it's Coach's willingness and then the players' willingness to adapt. And kudos to all of our guys that have, you know, Zakai and Jemai and uh, Jonas and Santi for being so very unselfish and allowing these new guys that came in um, to do their thing. And, you know, although there's just been hints of it, Freddie Dillion's another talented young guy that's finding his way. So we're excited about the group, and you're right, our style has changed. Uh, You know, I think it's some things have been a little bit historic or um, in the last, you know, 15 years, 30 years of what we're doing. But we hope to keep that up. We know everything's very fragile. So we have to do what we do and do it well and execute each and every game. Talking with Greg Polinski, Tennessee assistant basketball coach here on the morning show. Well, you've talked about the differences in the team. You know, I think anyone who has watched the program Rick Barnes has had would agree. This team has played faster offensively, and it's also played a little bit smaller than usual, you know, going away from the two bigs look. How have you been able to keep the focus and efficiency and success on the defensive end with a team that is so talented offensively? Well, because, you know, with Coach, that's, again, that's a non-negotiable. So if you're not going to defend, you're not going to play a lot. Um, I think our freshmen here are, are gifted. We love them all. We think that they're going to be, you know, a big part of the future going forward. But that first year is a learning experience defensively. 
you know, playing every position. You know, you can't pick possessions that you're going to be great on. Um, you can't pick possessions that you're going to defend and not. And I think just the level of consistency is what the older guys have. And they've done a great job, I think, teaching the young guys. But having that older core, you know, has made it a little tougher for young guys to get on the court. They're going to be players. But I think, again, to your question, I mean, um, that's always going to be what a staple of coaches' teams. Um, whether we're one, two, three, four, five, whatever we are defensively, we want to have a high-level defense and a high-level offense. Well, you talked about some of the older guys. And, you know, for Tennessee fans that just have kind of looked at the box score or watched the scoring, it seems like Josiah Jordan-James and Santiago Vescovi have struggled on that end of the court. Are the coaches seeing the same thing, or are they still kind of being able to be effective other ways without scoring the basketball? Yeah, those guys are ultra-effective. I mean, Santi and Joe's defensive effort, they connect us defensively. I, it's such subtle things that maybe even the – we've got great fans, but unless I was a practice every day, I wouldn't really know why Santi and Josiah are so valuable. I know they know they're valuable, but why they're so valuable. And they make up – they talk, they communicate. They just make up for some mistakes – that others make or shift us in the right position, and they do it regularly. And that is what makes them so great. And I think we could point to certain games, right, where, like, without Josiah, we don't we don't win the North Carolina State game. Agreed? I mean, Agreed. there's just no way. Yeah. So those guys still have their moments when they step up and uh, they give us a glimpse of what they've done here over the course of their career. Hey, Coach, um I'm going to ask you to maybe take a second and put your uh, former NBA player personnel hat on and ask you a question that you may not want to uh, have Dalton here, but how do you size up Dalton Connect's prospects for success at the next level? I mean, everybody's got a lot of love for what they're seeing from him as a player, and he seems to be rising in terms of the eyes of uh, NBA, you know, mock drafts and all of that stuff. And again, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. I, I respect that. But at the same time, you've got that unique experience, deep experience at the NBA level. And, you know, that's what these guys, that's why these guys come and, you know, even Dalton said that. That's why he wanted to come and play at Tennessee for Coach Barnes was to evolve his defensive game and get more groomed for playing in the league. Um, any thoughts on, you know, how, how that future and those prospects look for him sure um number one the draft is very unpredictable i mean you're taking a i used to always say you know in that position we were trying to take a subjective process and make it as objective as possible so beauty's in the eye of the beholder um there will be a lot of things that follow up after the season and and hopefully dalton continues on a great path we expect that um there'll be factors and so those are the things that, you know, from interviews to his individual workouts to et cetera, et cetera, um, the intel, all the things that are done with analytics, uh, that, that could affect here or there. But in just in terms of his court play, um, he's got a pro game. I mean, he shoots the ball easy. He shoots it deep. He can get the ball off a variety of ways. He can shoot it off the move. He can shoot it stationary. Coaches used him, I think, brilliantly this year in terms of putting him down low, letting him play out of the mid, and, of course, from the perimeter. So you're seeing, you know, the old term, a three-level score. Um, 
but but most importantly, Dalton wants to be great, and that's what you see with all the work. You can play him in ball screens, uh, which at six 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 seven two hundred and fifteen pounds, he's not a small wing. You know, he's a big wing. Um, at that level, that's what they look like, and so that's something that I think gives him a chance that has become a very perimeter-oriented game. Um, and with, so with all that being said, uh, if defensively, and he's getting better there, he makes the jump and coaches on him about it every day and again to do And I'm not always telling you it's fun. Um, coach is very demanding, but he wants it for Dalton, not for himself. So he knows what it's going to entail, and Dalton has received it well. If he can do that, get a little more physical on the backboard, um, I think Dalton's got a chance to be an NBA player for a number of years. Is it fair to say that over the season, especially lately, that he has gotten more comfortable handling the ball and you know, kind of creating out of the pick and roll? Because for my money, the best play Tennessee has is just you know Dalton Connect handling the ball, Jonas come and setting an NBA high ball screen, you know, like they run in the league so much. And Connect, to me, has really unlocked that part of his game, handling the basketball and creating and finding uh, his teammates whenever he's not open. Yeah, that's one look. I mean, I think if you give any, and you guys know our league, right? So if you give our league a series of, or I should say, um, a continuous repertoire of anything on offense they are going to adjust they've got video just like we do they scout very well we all scout very hard so i think what coaches tried to do is mix it but he doesn't go away with it uh he doesn't go away with it he's not you know trying to be clever when it's working and dalton's got it rolling coach has man he's coached some great guys and he just lets dalton go He kind of sees it in him. He can see a comfort level, how fluid he gets. And the other thing is Dalton's willingness to pass out of it, not just score. I think we've seen that a number of times this year. So, yeah, it's a great way to play. you got great spacing, and you're right, very NBA-ish. But um, I also like some of the other things we do with them to keep everybody honest and involve our other guys that are also very capable. Yeah, you talk about the scouting that teams do and the video and, you know, being able to break down tendencies. I'm curious inside the coaching room, let's do a little self-scouting. What does, what does this Tennessee team need to get better at if they're going to accomplish their goals? Well, I think, you know, we talk about it a lot. Um, we want to be more disciplined at the defensive end. You know, uh, we're aggressive, as you guys know. Um, we certainly want to stay that way. But, you know, like we want to do away with what we would call the, the unnecessary fouls, right? The, the reach-ins or not staying vertical at the rim, um, those kind of things that we can control. Um, because when you are aggressive, you are going to foul some. Um, but if we can stay away from those and not put teams on the free throw line, you know, as regularly sometimes as we've done, I thought we did a pretty good job against Alabama that's kind of where we want to get to. So I'd say just being more disciplined in that way. Um, as long as we're taking our shots, look, we're, we're 
we're a team that's you know going to have some lightning bolts. Um, it's one of coaches' terms, like we might go three minutes without scoring, but you know what? There's a lot of times we hold teams to three, four minutes without scoring. So when we hit our stride, this team is explosive, and uh, we can make up for what we haven't done in three minutes in a minute and a half, and we've shown that over the course of this year. Hey, Coach, last question before we uh, let you get get on with your day and certainly appreciate the time. But looking ahead to next Wednesday, because we'll talk to you again hopefully next Thursday, but um, I wanted to say we all saw what the Wednesday opponent for next week, South Carolina, did to Kentucky, who also is a, an opponent next weekend. Uh, Tuesday night in Columbia was uh, very impressive, I thought, and it's further proof that there are no easy games in this conference, just like you were saying earlier, particularly on the road. Just a very top-line, kind of brief, advanced scout on Lamont Paris's squad. You guys have to be thinking about them. They, uh, they, 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 they're hardworking. Uh, I heard somebody mention they a lot of similarities to what Wisconsin does on the court, but would love to get your quick take on them. Well, my, I have Vanderbilt, so I can honestly tell you I've only watched South Carolina as a basketball fan during the year. Um, the coach that has South Carolina – He's already well into what they do, what they can't do, uh, what things we want to do. Like South Carolina, whoever's scouting us is well into the same kind of things. So I can only tell you in a general way that um, Coach Parrish has done an unbelievable job there, flipping that culture in a year. I think it's, you know, phenomenal what he's accomplished. Um, they're really tough-minded. Just from what I've watched on TV, they really guard. But without getting too deep into it, because I haven't studied them, I would just say, like you guys said, uh, I'm well aware of their score. I've watched some of that game. There are zero easy outs in the SEC. Um, and people shouldn't get fooled by Vanderbilt's record. You know, we saw what they did last year, and they went on a run. We have great respect for that game coming up and are focused right there. Appreciate the time, Greg. We'll talk to you next week. Best of luck this weekend. Best of luck next Wednesday. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Looking forward to it, Coach. Thank you. Tennessee okay. basketball have coach Greg Polinski. Have a good day, sir. Yeah, okay, so that's interesting. I, I guess, well, A, he put you on, on uh, you know, corrected you, Bob. Kind of put you on blast. Don't ask about South Carolina. We're focused on Vanderbilt. We're <laughs> focused on one game at a time. So that's interesting. I guess it makes perfect sense. I hadn't considered that when you have a coaching staff, you kind of break up the the games. I, yeah. I know, I know. Greg, he is. I don't want to say claim to fame, but like he got a lot of credit last year for what he did to Alabama. You exactly. know, kind of yeah. prepping that game plan and having get ready and doing the scouting and and having the game plan to kind of shut down Brandon Miller and that team. And and Tennessee, of course, did that inside Knoxville. But I guess it makes sense that. If you got all these extra coaches, like, yeah, well, you spend a little bit of time doing a look ahead to next week's opponent. Now, this coach, you're going to focus solely on the game plan for your upcoming opponent, like Vanderbilt. Yeah, it's like probably advance work, right? And right. And they all dig in on South Carolina after Vanderbilt, right. basically. Yeah. But one game at a time, Bob, asking about South Carolina. We're focused on Vandy. Hey, I just want to get his insight. We won't see – next time we talk to him, they'll have played that game. So uh, Hopefully Tennessee will be celebrating a victory yes. after playing Vanderbilt – 
this weekend and playing South Carolina next week. Was that game on Wednesday, I believe, you said, South Carolina? Yeah, Wednesday night. And it all of a sudden is a more intriguing game. I mean, South Carolina is going to have attention. I don't know who they have on Saturday. Do you, do you know what their look-ahead schedule no, is I don't. for Saturday? No, I don't. That's a, that's a good question. But, Sorry uh, to put you on the spot there. But, like, I, I don't know. There's only, like, three or four teams I would look at and say, yeah, they're going to be in trouble against. The rest of the league, I'd say they have a pretty good chance of yeah. beating. Like, home against Missouri. Right. They should be riding a little bit of a win streak, feeling good about themselves. Absolutely. And hopefully Tennessee is also riding a little bit of a win streak, feeling good about themselves. That should be a fun game next Wednesday. Appreciate Tennessee basketball for allowing Coach Polinski to come on and talk to us. Appreciate him for making the time for us and answering the questions. He gave us a little coach speak, but not not a lot. He was pretty uh, blunt and straightforward with it. No, I'm looking forward to it. He's uh, Again, he's also, I bet, got some, as we go through the season, get to know him a little better, we might hear a little bit more. That that NBA experience is, in this day and age, that's uh, pretty important for a role in the, at the collegiate level. Let's go to break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Are you... You also wouldn't go too much into details about Dalton Connect's pro prospects, but they are on the rise. They are on the rise. Uh, he, I think at this point, he has a really good chance of being a, a late lottery pick. Kind of following that Doug McDermott path we talked about. What was interesting was, what, what did he say? He said something like he, he can shoot it deep, which, again, that's really what the game's become in so many ways. I mean, there's all other aspects of the NBA, too, but that's – that's like table stakes. If you're going to make it in the league, that's that's how you can differentiate yourself. Has Connect shown deep range, like outside the three point line? Like he hasn't shot many, like too far off the three point line, right? Or am I am I misremembering? Because I Maui, feel like he was pulling deep. Maui, yeah. Okay. I feel like Maui he was pulling deep. I feel like into SEC play though, it hasn't been as. I feel much. like he shoots a lot of like corner wing threes, but kind of right on the line, the top of the key is usually at the, right at the top of the key. Not saying that he'll have trouble, you know, taking the step back to do NBA range three pointers, but I don't feel like he's got like the Chris Lofton bag where he's shooting three or four feet behind the the line because he has to create space because Connect can get a shot off over most people in college basketball. I still I still think back to that um, exhibition against Michigan State that that was kind of a where were you moment. Remember when Dalton did that dunk? Um, that that was like that was the moment we'd heard a lot about Dalton Connect, but I was just like, holy hell, that is a special player when you can do that. Yeah, I think that's where the light bulb went off for a lot of the fans because you see, quite frankly, you see white guy, and you assume a shooter. But yeah, that moment was uh, hey, I actually have a lot of athleticism at the rim. There was the the game against Georgia where it was clear the the commentators and the play-by-play guy God, yeah. were unaware that he had that hop because they were you know, losing their mind that he had just a regular dunk. <laughs> and I'm like, did you not see the Michigan State game? Because he put somebody on a, I don't want to say a poster, Sam, because uh, do, do kids still have posters? You got any posters up in your room? I have some posters. <laughs> okay. Posterize, I didn't know if that was still a frame. You got any posters <laughs> of dunks? No, it's it's Tiger winning the Masters okay, with Tony but, Soprano on there. Okay, as well. so you do have a sports poster at least. Okay, so you, I'm sure the ladies love that when they come over. Uh, yeah, Sam that's my fist, Sandlot poster. Sam yeah. gives a fist pump uh, with with the ladies. Okay, is it, got is it. it in your living room? <laughs> it's a, it's right above my bed. <laughs> okay. I was gonna say. Well, well, okay. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> but yeah, since uh, Don Connect put somebody on a. Hey, uh, Vine doesn't work anymore either. Used to like those dunks used to yeah. go on Vine. Uh, 
Put somebody on a meme? No, no. I think posters on. fine. Posters I think it's still, still good. Yeah. yeah. He TikToked him. He put him on a TikTok. Uh, <laughs> yeah. TikTok'd I don't know. Him. We'll still do poster, I guess. But yeah, the 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 Georgia commentators clearly hadn't seen that athleticism athleticism from Dalton. They thought yeah. he was just kind of white shooter that could not jam. <laughs> um, back to Coach Polinski though. Um, I'm excited for the rest of the season to be able to talk to you him each week he's got some good insight you don't want to stay on sam's tiger woods poster above his nah, bed. it's yeah i think sam's a little uncomfortable at this point where so. do you put tony at where's where's tony at in the room uh well no like it's on the same poster it's oh, it's the tiger woods and so tony you know soprano? the picture of tony soprano when he's like when he's on the golf course and he's kind of looking yeah like his jaw open. but yeah yeah it's that picture fall out of his mouth it's it? that picture with uh so, the tiger woods like putting his hands above his head after the 2019 so it's Masters. a mashup yeah, Basically. it's a little match. Wait, that's from it's the cookout, right? The, the the cigar in the mouth, that's from the cookout, right? It's Tony at, at the golf course. Okay. Whenever he's arguing with Uncle June? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm thinking of a different one where the cigar's falling out of his mouth. Yeah, I can't, I can't it's imagine. It's like a black and uh, – it's, it's a hard poster You'll to You'll have describe. to send a picture of it yeah, to I'll, me later. Yeah, I'll send a picture when I get home. I'm sure it drives the, the women wild. <laughs> I'm sure it drives the women wild. Hey, I'm going to digress very quick, but it's on Soprano's note. The What was the name of the movie that they did afterwards? The Many Saints of Newark. Yes. You just made me think about when he said Uncle June. Uh, the, the Corey Stoll character that played him, mm-hmm. I, he was great, actually. I, yeah, yeah. That uh, was a weird movie. I don't yeah. know if I liked it. But I, I never pre- watched it. I don't know if I liked it, but I appreciated it, I guess. The effort and, you know, really I think it was really just like, hey, look, here's here's his son. Here's here's James Gandolfini's son playing him, and he did a good job. And it was really like, hey, look, his mom's really so awful. She's been awful her whole life. Yeah. But, like, other than that, they could have pretty much kept it, I guess. Other than, like, one reveal, maybe. Kind of came out, as I recall, like we were kind of on the remnants of, of COVID. Anything that came out that was, like, interesting to watch was yeah. like man i'm so i'm so into yeah. that so yeah, it was nice but yeah looking forward to getting coach Polinski on throughout the year it'll be nice to have a direct line kind of to campus and to the basketball team and you know if something interesting does happen on wednesday night you know we'll have a the first shot at kind of getting an explanation or, or talking about it here on thursday morning yeah and he's a he's kind of a sneaky resource in that a lot of people, when I was telling them we have Coach Polinski on, you know, some of the guys at the station knew who that was, but others were like, wait, who is he? And it's like, man, this guy's done a lot. Highly regarded in the coaching fraternity. Uh, um, yeah, it's. I think it's uh, It's going to be great for us. We're excited to have him on board. It's funny. I was talking to someone yesterday about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, I met him. He's super nice. And I was like, oh, I'm surprised you knew who it was. And like, yeah, yeah. It's good. Good person. He worked in the NBA for a long time with the New Jersey Nets that then became the Brooklyn Nets. I guess we could have asked him about the train wreck that is the Detroit Pistons, but I didn't want to, you know, I, I imagine he wouldn't have wanted to besmirch his former employer, so we didn't get into that. But the the Brooklyn Nets part of it was funny. I don't know if you guys saw one of the funniest videos I saw of the year so far. It's in contention, and it's just audio with a little visual. And this could have very easily been us last week, Bob, when we were having to do our, our Twitter spaces instead of getting in the studio. But I guess this is a post-game call-in show or a just a State of the Union address from the Brooklyn Nets on spaces. But I want you to listen to this video of uh, this guy giving his analysis as his world comes crashing down, and you'll be able to hear what I'm talking about. We've heard that, that happen before. Hopefully that happens with Spencer Dinwiddie. And whether they choose to go as uh, Tam or they choose to whatever, just make it. 
Eric? Yep. You okay? Yep, I am. I gotta head out, guys. All right, <laughs> let us know you're all right, man. And I, and I heard that, and I'm just giggling because, well, A, we had a whole week of spaces where luckily we were trapped in the house and weren't driving on the road, but as many times as we've had voluntary reaction, as many times as we've had people calling in, and I was like, have we ever heard a car wreck like that? It was almost like a cartoon the way it wrecked. <laughs> the squeaky brakes yeah. is what gets me. <laughs> Just that squeak. <laughs> well, the other one, too, is, again, I, I feel like uh, when I heard that and he said, you know, I got to go, his his response was far different than mine probably would have been if I was in a car wreck like that. I, I, there probably would have been some... Uh, expletives that uh, are not suitable for this show. You might be right. On the other hand, you might be so embarrassed that you're trying to keep it quiet and hope no one heard, but of course we heard this. Just make it. <laughs> you can just hear the tire squeaking and and he's keeping his composure. I'm, I'm only imagining what's going through his mind. and I, I don't know if I want to give credit to the, the quote-unquote co-host or I want to reprimand them because... To me, it's really funny. And if I was doing a radio show and I heard my co-host get into a wreck, I don't know if I would laugh or not, but I, I guess they do seem concerned for him. Eric? Eric? Yep. You okay? Yep, I am. I got to head out, guys. <laughs> How do we feel about Eric just kind of no-selling it and just be like, I got to go? He needed to give way more context to that. I feel like you have to, right? I feel you like, like oh, my God, yeah, just uh, as you probably heard, wrecked. Ha, ha, ha. Well, <laughs> got to get my insurance card. And Stacey's like, yep, I got to go. And you can hear the the blinker, his hazard lights. The tire squeal and then the impact noise. That's inside the car. That's that's a big wreck, man. That was not just a little fender bender. That was like, that's damage. Let's play the third one again. I want to hear just the blinker going off at the end of it. Eric? Eric? Yep. You okay? Yep, I am. I gotta head out, guys. <laughs> yep, I gotta head out, guys. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Oh God. So whenever we had, you know, Coach Polinski on, and I'm looking at his 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 resume, and I'm like, oh yeah, Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> that, that's that, that that perfectly lines up with one of the funniest things I saw yesterday. Woo! How's it happened to us? I did a radio show one time, Bob, driving all the way down to Florida. I did a three-hour radio show with a microphone holding my hand doing this. This could have easily happened to me. On the interstate, just me cruising, violating uh, hands-free laws. That is not safe. No, my, no it's uh, not. My wife, Safety Sue, would tell you that the, she, she, that's her biggest fear with me is that I'm doing like texting while I'm driving yeah. and all this other stuff. Which is not true. I don't do it. If, if if Safety Sue is listening, Bob is a voice-to-text guy. He will send you a good voice memo, and you'll you'll know that, like, hey, this is him not on his phone. It's him holding it and giving you what he needs to tell you. That's right. That's in, absolutely right. In a voice note, which I kind of like. There's not very many people in my life that send me voice notes except Bob, but I kind of like it. Those are good, man. Those are. I mean, I'm not. I don't mean my messages are good, but those oh. are. Those are good. <laughs> Very inspirational, Bob. Yeah. Bob. Bob will leave me a voice memo and just be like, "Hey, great job today. You're so good. Keep it going." I don't recall that happening, but I no. I I like the convenience of the voice. Uh, it's just like voicemail, honestly. Yeah. It's just you just don't have to dig into your phone like you used to. And Apple does a good job of transcribing them because a lot of times I just read what you wrote instead of uh, actually yes. listening. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Hey NBA, real quick. This is 
this is questionable to me, but um, maybe it speaks more to uh, Zach Levine. The Pistons and the Bulls have been in discussions on a Zach Levine trade. To the Pistons? To the Pistons. Oh. For Bo- for uh, for Bojan Bogdanovic and one of their core young players. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is just the Bulls looking and saying, hey, we got to get off this Zach Levine contract because yeah. his extension, I don't even think, has really kicked in. I mean, they owe him 160000000 million moving forward. And the Bulls, who I, again, think is one of the biggest train wrecks in the NBA, they are, you know, kind of stuck in that ten seed mediocrity, and 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 Zach Levine is a guy that's not going to make them better. So you'd rather, you know, get off that contract if you can. Yeah, it's just so odd though that the Pistons are like, what we've won four games or whatever. This is going to make us that much better. I, I can't imagine they would care. I'd be building for the future too if I were them. But maybe well, they'll get something. Um, maybe there's some other well consideration well, draft picks or well, what I would say about building to the future if you're the Pistons is. They are a team that's been picking in the top six yeah. for like seven straight years, and Cade Cunningham is is solid, I guess. But like their method of just drafting isn't working. So at a certain point, you need some like actual NBA professionals there to make you a legitimate team. And you know maybe Zach Levine could go there and help them win a couple more games and at least get them off of laughingstock status. Yeah, yeah. Depending on how good the young guy is, they want back. But like if you're Chicago. Your goal is to trade Zach Levine, and it's probably to trade Demar Derozan, who's a free agent, I believe, after the year. Like you, you got to kind of maybe sell Caruso too, and, and try to get some draft picks and move on. But the core you have isn't working. Yeah, it says, and and Detroit smartly is saying they have no interest of including Cunningham, Jaden yeah, Ivey, yeah. Osar Thompson, or Jalen Duran in the deal. So they're yeah, you can get James Wiseman. Enjoy yeah. a James Wiseman, Chicago. There you go. But like Levine's going to get moved, and you know. I could see the Lakers getting desperate enough to bring him there, but I also think he might be a perfect third option for the Lakers if they're able to kind of get him because he is a guy that's going to shoot. and He's one of those guys, if you put in the right system, maybe it works, but if you put in a bad system like Detroit, it's probably going to be a train wreck because he's going to get there and say, yeah, now I got my own franchise. Here comes 30 shots a game. I'm surprised how much love there is for Bruce Brown. The Lakers covet him a lot too. I'm not surprised by that because I think Bruce Brown proved that he is a winning basketball player. He right. kind of fits that same criteria of Alex Caruso. And, you know, going back to Tennessee talk, he fits the criteria of Josiah Jordan-James. Not going to be a big scorer, but is going to do everything on the basketball court to kind of help you win. And I do think when it comes time for the playoffs, I do think the the Detroit Nuggets are going to miss Bruce Brown. I think that, that he was a key part of them last year winning the title. So, like, yeah, the any team, any contender should be looking for Bruce Brown, just like any team should be looking for Alex Caruso. Yeah. As a Pacer fan, I was a little bummed to see them have to trade him to get Pascal Siakam, but I, I understand it. And, um, yeah, I agree with you. He He's just a winner. Um, he does a lot of intangibles, and I guess maybe – I was going to say Lakers brass, but probably LeBron is uh, seeing that. He's probably whispering in Rob Palenka's ear. Well, it's funny that, you know – one of the guys I'm talking about, Alex Crusoe, the Lakers did have, which was a perfect fit next to LeBron James. I, I still need an explanation, and maybe in the documentary of LeBron James that we get, it's going to be like a 20-part last dance type of documentary, except over his whole career. Maybe they'll have at least a, a minute snippet of how they took a championship roster with, with KCP and Alex Caruso and lost both of those guys for like, you know, and, and Kyle Kuzma, three really good, perfect role players for LeBron and turning into Russell Westbrook and, and nothing else because, you know, that – I thought those guys fit perfectly next to LeBron. So now they're chasing a guy like Bruce Brown. By the way, have the Pacers won since they traded for Pascal Siakam? <laughs> no, they haven't. 
I was going to say, I, I see that they're uh, five, uh, one in five in the last six games. I was just curious. Yeah, they were really hot, and then they made the deal, and they've lost, they played two games. They lost to Portland and then lost to Denver the other night. They really Phoenix as well on Sunday. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So three times. Uh, Denver is a game they could have won, though. They were actually up one point with, like, two minutes to go and fell apart. They need Halliburton back. He's hurt again. Or not hurt. He's just managing his uh, previous yeah. injury. So. Trade deadlines in two weeks, though, so you'll see, you will see some stars get moved. That is one thing the NBA always delivers on is some movement. So if you like player movement, uh, some will be coming, and it usually involves the big teams. All right, let's catch a break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Ever been there? Just kind of putting a bow on the conversation we had as I run through some submissions of uh, biggest train wreck in pro sports. Buffalo Sabres, yes or no, Sam? Yeah, hockey. Yeah, they're pretty. They're down there. The Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I, I will say at least like they feel maybe good about the Joe Flacco. Kind of washed away some of the bad vibes and at least got them to the playoffs, but they did just give two hundred fifty-five million dollars to the nasty man, all guaranteed, not too long ago. So. Uh, not not in the best position. Our own Tucker Harlan says the Raiders. Eh, I, I don't think the I think they're bottom bottom half for sure, but not the worst. The Jets. My sack of bleep Miami Dolphins. Okay, you, you're not no. the biggest train wreck. I understand you no. might be. I understand you might be a little down in the dumps after the end of the season, but not the biggest train wreck. Uh, the Jets, the Rockies, NBA, no idea, and who cares. Okay, Jacksonville Jaguars. I would say. I mean, I know they've they got to a conference championship game at one point, maybe two times, but um, and they're playing pretty well now. But boy, they were they were. I felt right with the Lions as the dregs of the NFL at one point. Yeah, I mean, the ago. Urban Meyer stuff was probably rock bottom. Yeah, good point. The the fans in the stands with cl- you know with clown makeup on as they knocked your Indianapolis Colts out of the playoffs. Yeah, don't want to talk about that. Carson Wentz. That's that's the savior in Indianapolis. Carson Wentz. I still can't get over that. Manchester United, Mets, Athletics, Panthers, Bears. Okay, so there's where people's uh, submissions. You wanted to get back to TR's topic of just uh, our yes of our best players, our, our our Hall of Famers, our goats. Jordan Moore, who helps the station and works for the station on overtime, he he made the claim that Tennessee has the best Mount Rushmore. Of any college town? Yeah, his uh, post says, name me a university that has a better Mount Rushmore in the top four revenue athletic programs than the University of Tennessee. And the ones he put up there were Peyton Manning, Bernard King, Todd Helton, and Candace Parker. It's not bad. It's a, that's a pretty good four when you look at it that way. Yeah, I mean, most schools would push back and talk about women's basketball not being a real revenue sport or baseball being a you know real revenue sport, but... The point remains, those are still most schools' four main yes, main sports. And like I said, I, I think you have a claim for Peyton being the greatest. I think you got a claim for Candace being the greatest. Bernard King, of course, not, not the greatest, but he was really, really damn good in college. And then if you're taking pro into account as well. Todd Helton, his actual college accolades, I mean, he was... Was he was he at that level of the other players? Because I mean, we're talking about Peyton Manning, who was Heisman Trophy runner-up. We're talking about Candace Parker, who two-time national champion. We're talking about Bernard King, who was you know All-American, 
was Todd Helton, did he have those accolades in college, I guess? I know he batted like over 400 and what I assume was an All-American. This is a great one. Somebody commented. National Baseball Player of the Year after his junior year. Yeah, okay, he, was, the, he was like that in college. Yeah, the, the Dick sure. Hauser trophy. Yeah. Where, how high was he drafted? Do you know at all? Um, See if you can get the, his actual draft. Eighth position. overall pick, 1995. Eighth overall pick. Okay, yeah. This is a comment, and it's from somebody who I'm guessing might be a Michigan fan. Wrote, if we want to be real, an easy comp is Michigan. Brady better than Manning. Larkin better than Helton. Weber better than King. And it's like, hmm. Okay. Well, who's the women's basketball player, buddy? <laughs> well, he also said that's, you know, uh, Candace Parker, Revenue Sport, you know, that thing. But my point is, is I don't – I'd say it is debatable, Barry Larkin versus Todd Helton. That's like, I, you know, and, and Chris Weber versus Bernard King, as far as body of work in the NBA, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I disagree with that dude, but um, – I'm sure there's other schools who are going to say, you know, hey, we've got our four that are as good, if not better. Yeah, I mean, USC, I don't know if USC has a basketball player. Who's the best USC basketball player of all time besides Bronny James? Like, Cheryl I mean, Miller. Well, yeah, I was going to say women's basketball. Cheryl Miller, to yeah. me, like she's the – she is Candace Parker, as far as I'm concerned, of a, of a different generation. Maybe I'm just getting kind of – maybe I just like her and take it back to that – Part of Reggie Miller's documentary, which talks about scoring 100 points in high school and all that. But she she was the best women's basketball player of like the the 1990s, right? I yeah, mean, I, I think that's that's I think that's fair to say. UCLA, um, you're thinking of West Coast, uh, obviously great basketball players. Football, a little iffy there. Baseball, they had great baseball players too. First one that came to mind was Trevor Bauer, but I don't think I want to put <laughs> him there. Um, but yeah, Kareem for basketball would would have that spot. Yeah, who's the best UCLA football player of all time? God, is it Aikman? I mean, Aikman had a good career, but I mean, yeah. Aikman to me is a right guy, right guy, right place type of thing, right yeah. time. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't think he is an elevator by any means, or, or I don't think you could put him on any organization and have success. Like, I think Peyton Manning could have built a team anywhere in terms of his greatness and his offense and all that. Like, Aikman was on a really good team with a really good offensive line and was able to yeah. kind of hand the ball off to Emmett Smith. Freeman McNeil was an elite running back at the college level. Played in the pros was okay. He's uh, he, he. You guys won't remember him, but um, Jonathan Ogden went to UCLA. Okay, that's, that, really that's probably the best football player. Yeah. Now you could argue about you know putting an offensive lineman on your Mount Rushmore, but he is probably thought of as one of the best left tackles ever. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say like maybe the best offensive lineman ever, but at least in the conversation. Okay. So yeah, it's. It's an interesting one to debate. Um, I will say to me, Barry Larkin, maybe it's the Reds in me or whatever, but I do think he had a better career than Helton. I mean, when you, just when you look at All-Stars, Larkin was a 12-time All-Star and, and Helton was a five-time All-Star. I, I think that's a pretty big difference. And unlike football and the Pro Bowl, like I do think All-Stars and baseball kind of tell a big story. That's fair. I didn't realize Helton, or not Helton, that uh... – Larkin had that many All Star yeah. appointments. Yeah, was a nine time Silver Slugger, which means uh, that means he was the best batter at his position, right? Right. Larkin had a better MLB Hel career for sure. I Helton think. Had, Helton had, four. had a much better college career. Helton had four uh, Silver Slugger awards. So yeah, Barry Larkin better than that, better than Todd Helton for sure. But again, it comes down to the conversation: Are we taking pros into account or college? Are we weighing them evenly or what? Because Tom Brady also wasn't as good in college as as Peyton Manning. Yeah, didn't play much. UCLA baseball player, probably the best one in his current day, is Garrett Cole. Okay. That's 
Um, they have didn't a bunch. Jackie Robinson go to UCLA? He, he did. That's a very good one. Yeah. Yeah. Jackie Robinson would be on the uh, the old Mount Rushmore. Yeah. <laughs> instead of Garrett Cole, I, I like the spider tack, whatever the hell he had on his on his breaking balls. But yeah, Jackie Robinson probably gets that nod. So we got Jonathan Ogden, Kareem. Jackie, Jackie Robinson, Robinson. and probably not beating that. <laughs> I don't know. Who's the women's basketball player, damn it? Find me a women's basketball player. Ann Myers. Okay, Ann Myers. I, I have heard that name before. Yeah, she was married to Don Drysdale, who TR talked to uh, talked about earlier. Um, of okay. course, Drysdale's no longer with us. but Cross the Mississippi River, though, and you're not finding one. That's right. In Tennessee. Okay. <laughs> Did we find a uh, USC basketball, basketball player? I mean, like. Demar Derozan, maybe. I yeah, don't know. like I, mean, I don't think USC has had a ton of ML, uh, NBA talent come through there. They had to maybe back in the day. Paul Westfall, okay. Um, Gus Williams, OJ Mayo, Nikola Vucevic. He might be the oh, best. Vuce went there. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're they've never they've always been kind of the afterthought in LA as far as college basketball. Nick Young, Nick Young, <laughs> Swaggy P. Do they get disqualified because, yeah, I'm looking at Ranker, the best USC players of all time. DeMar DeRozan, Vucevic, Paul Westfall, Harold Miner, Taj Gibson. Okay, so, yeah, USC, despite, you would think they would have better teams and better players throughout their history. But does their football team, is, is the best USC player of all time, is it is it the Juice? Who, who goes on the Mount Rushmore for USC football? You could do a whole thing for that. Yeah. Reggie Bush. Yeah. I don't know if it's Reggie. There's a lot of just really good yeah. running backs. I, I don't know if it was O.J. Simpson or not. He's the most famous. What about LSU? Slash infamous. All right, LSU. LSU, uh, yeah, I'm sure they got a baseball player. They do. They've got uh, Alex. Not a Hall of Famer, though. I'll tell you that much. They don't have a They don't have a Hall of Famer. No, they got Alex Bregman. That's probably their best player uh, so far that I'm seeing here. But Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Shaq. 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 Angel yeah. Reese. Angel Reese. Okay. Yeah, Shaq. Shaq, uh, obviously, really good. Joe Burrow. Could Auburn? Charles Barkley. Barkley. Frank Thomas. Uh, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Who's yeah. the women's basketball player? I don't know, yeah. You got to find a women's basketball that's, player. That's where it. we win, baby. It's Candace Parker. It's yeah. Like- <laughs> Yeah, and if we're just doing Mount Rushmore figures, yeah, how about we'll put on Pat Summit? Yeah, yeah, Pat Summit instead of instead of Candace Parker. How about that? This will tell you um, when you go on Google and you look up great Auburn women's basketball players. Some of these other sports, there's like 30, 40 of these names for the Auburn, Auburn's women basketball players. There's ten. Um, Any names you know? No, and and actually one of them is repeated. <laughs> Honesty Scott Grayson is her name. Uh, they Take that, that, Auburn. You, we, we, we like to talk about women. So, throw, throw Monica Abbott on there, too, by the way. We'll get in the softball. We'll really start We'll start spreading it out. <laughs> but, I mean, like, yeah, almost any SEC school, at least in baseball, you'll be able to say, actually, not a Hall of Famer. Except for Auburn, of course, with Frank Thomas. I don't know if Bernard King moves the needle in terms of the casual fan. When you talk about his greatness. Yeah. Like, at Tennessee, I think, you know, we have been conditioned or at least educated enough to know that, like, yeah, he was a bad boy. Like, three-time SEC Player of the Year. Like He was here for three years. He won SEC Player of the Year all three times. Like, I, I don't know if anybody has as many as him. I would imagine no one has more than him. I would imagine. 
two-time All-American. And then, yeah, you get to the NBA and had a up-and-down career at times. I think he battled some substance abuse, you know, during a, a portion of his career. I believe he got injured as well. But, like, his overall status in, in NBA circles is still thought of really positively. He's still a Hall of Famer. He's still a guy that had pretty high peaks, you know, in terms of led the NBA in scoring, I believe, won a scoring championship in 85. So that was when Jordan was there. How about that? 32.9 points per game. You know, it was was pretty high ceiling. Then he got hurt, and that was kind of uh, the end of him as an elite player, except he had one year in 91 where he got back up to 28 points a game. But, yeah, King's as good as anybody in in SEC basketball history as far as – maybe I'm wrong in that. Maybe there'll be somebody that's like, no, you forgot about this guy. Like Shaq, Shaq's probably number one just because of the championships and like being, you know, HD, I guess HD wasn't around in whenever he was winning championships just yet, but still like, you know, modern, modern basketball. So Shaq's maybe number one, Barkley number two, but King to me is just as good as anybody else after that. He'd be up there. The, the old school folks, I'm sure TR would say it's Dan Issel at Kentucky had a huge pro yeah. career. Um, he might be the best Kentucky player, which is saying a lot, given how many Kentucky players have come through. Because some better of them, than Anthony Davis. Well, but yeah, I mean, he's been great. Well, how many years did he play there? One. Yeah, that's, I, I'm, so I'm asking like, if you're balancing, yeah, like, because yeah. like King, you know, three years at Tennessee, that's that's a full career basically, right. as far as we're concerned, and right. Then of course the NBA career, but yeah, like Davis did win a championship in his one year, though. So I do like judge that differently than like Demarcus Cousins and John Wall and agreed, like one and done guys that didn't win a title. Davis was, you know, a difference maker in that. So tomorrow, we've got uh, heading into big weekend of college basketball, NFL playoffs. We're gonna have a couple guests. Yep, we'll do a little preview of uh, Vanderbilt. This one should be kind of boring, I guess. With uh, stats by Will, it'll try to make Vanderbilt sound like a threat, I guess. But they're they're a train wreck. And we're gonna bring on a guy tomorrow who's uh, a bit of an expert when it comes to. Uh, a little bit of sports betting, namely in college basketball. Uh, a guy by the name of Eli Hershkovich, um, who has been doing this for a while, and he's uh, he's somebody we're going to probably bring on during college basketball season as we head into a big weekend of games. I think he'll be a good resource come tournament time, too. Um, but uh, we're excited to have him on tomorrow as well. The human highlight factor. you got to give a shout-out to my boy Dominique. He was also mm-hmm. He's also like in the top six, top seven conversation of all-time SEC basketball players when you add in their NBA career as well. And if you, yeah, with Georgia, if you wanted to change that Mount Rushmore a little to golf players, holy cow. Yeah. I mean, that is a factory for, with professional golfers. Yeah. But. Nah, well, we cut it off at women's basketball and softball. <laughs> golf, uh, we're not, we, they don't even put that on TV. Come on. They don't even put that on TV, right? You can't watch college, college golf anywhere on TV. Yeah, can you get a couple true. tournaments a year. Yeah. That's very true. All right, that does it for us. The G.I. Jake Show coming up next. Stay locked in on Fan Run Radio. <laughs>